0: And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family.
1: Hello, ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. Joining me this week to discuss series one, episode nine, is the actor and writer, Frogstone. Hello. Hello, Frogstone. Coming aboard, or permission to come aboard. I am piping you aboard. (laughs) Don't you need permission? Um, Now, when I invited you on this podcast, Mm. you basically said something that was music to my ears. Not only do you remember Howard's Way, not only did you love Howard's Way, you played Howard's Way. Yes, talk to me so about that. So
2: that was, um, when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember Happy Days yeah. in Preston playground, oh, Preston. School. That's where I'm from. Okay. Preston, Lancashire. No one, do you know, if you're from a northern town. Yeah, landlocked. Yeah, and you're like me as well. Oh, wow. she's got docks, Preston. Oh, is it? Mm. Oh, sorry, Preston. Well, there was a cinema there. <laughs> At the docks? Yeah. Oh, okay. There was like um, a UCI. I almost said UTI. but That's where you would go to get a UTI. <laughs> that's where you'd go. And round there was the a drive McDonald's, yeah. that kind of thing. I know. Yeah. Cute. I was at the tail end of spy studies at university. Oh, but I did you went to the university where you could have been recruited, right? I went to the college as well. Brilliant. Red Kings is what well <gasps> it's called. Amazing. Um, and I met
1: Gorbachev. You met yep. Gorbachev. You came to give a little talk. Are you a spy? This is a safe place. You can just say it. Well. I need to be reactivated. Because
2: <laughs> <I was> a- <laughs> another game, this is Jermaine, okay. because another game we used to play was Gorbachev v. Reagan in the playground. Wow. We were Soviet Spice, and when I met Gorbachev, I tried to tell him this, but he was... Was really, he confused? Who is this idiot undergraduate? <laughs> he was not as interesting as you might have oh, thought. Oh, that's a shame. But I
1: met quite a few interesting people. You met Gorbachev. Mm. You're now doing that face that suggests interesting people might mean someone from the cast of House Way, because that's all I care about. Do you understand? Right, so back to that. So okay. we played
2: House Way. So several playgrounds, my playground games were always really elaborate, immersive drama Brilliant. pieces. So yeah. there was The Court of Elizabeth III, which was futuristic Elizabethan. <gasps> um, that was popular. Gorbachev v. Reagan, that was yeah. a big deal. That was sort of 88, basically. Amazing. And then Howard's Way, the game, which involved running up and down the playground on a boat. <laughs> Obviously. And then I was always Tom Howard in it. Oh, you well, were? was my
1: game. Okay, and he's kind of the boss of Howard's Way.
2: We would play the game, and yeah. it would involve Obviously, the the quest would mostly be, like, what is progress on the Barracuda? Brilliant. And then would be on the boat, which would be sort of miming it, and then people would be thrown overboard. (gasps) And then also a big part of... games, these are drama games at primary school was always that somebody would have a baby as well Did <laughs> that happen? it yeah. was always like a thing that yeah. somebody had to have a baby Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we did try to bring in like a massive race with getting everybody in the plate, like British Bulldogs was oh, the, wow. you know, the idea, like a yacht yeah. race because British Bulldogs was always banned in our school and we yeah. always used to have to court, but it was also terrifying <laughs> and this concrete thing that just all these children would run and <laughs> knock each other over, like <laughs> wildebeest into a wall <laughs> So then, you know, there's like we'd call it French poodles, da da da, and then once we called it Howard's Way. Nice, and that was where we were just racing. Wow! But were you yachts? Yeah, we were. Well, we were on a Brilliant. very big boat, so we had a crew. Okay, got and the you. funny thing is, my dad was really into boats because mm. we lived not very far from the Lake District, and okay. he had a boat. In fact, my dad, who is now dead, and um, left uh, owing a lot of money just to put it in context he bought some (gasps) racehorses and he bought some boats and he was a teacher wow so he didn't really pay for the things that you might do like a mortgage yeah 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 as it turned out he sounds like if you'll forgive me a character from Howard's Way he would have loved to be in Howard's Way and he watched it obviously so I did but I so I used to go sailing and I really really didn't like the real thing didn't you but Howard's Way was more than that The game and the dynamic and also all the secrecy that I was so into. Because
1: what was it, 86? So it started, we're in 85 at the moment. This first series is 85. So I really was tiny then. I was like six years old when it started. I was 10. But I think the way you're talking sort of like maybe sort of late 80s when you perhaps became properly aware of it. Perhaps you weren't watching it. When I it bet like, they must
2: have repeated it. It's like Wish Me Luck, which I was obsessed with. Yeah, And we yeah, played yeah. that as
1: well. No, well, it ran from 85 to 90, so I imagine you just joined it somewhere during Yeah, but when I was re-watching
2: run. the episode, I mean, I sort of knew... You knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. that's good.
1: Some of these podcasts,
2: I'm just explaining the plot. Oh, my you know. God, no. I'm I am mean, fine. don't, don't <laughs> mind. But the best thing was in this episode that I watched. You had a good one. Well, not just that. Uh. There was a top celebrity, former celebrity spot. I was watching and I was going, this woman's very familiar. Oh, this woman and uh, the character's name I've forgotten, but she's the fashion designer friend of Jan. Oh, right, Lucas. No, I, I don't know who she is, but I really well, liked her. She's called Carol Heyman. Oh, she is alive and well, and she lives part-time in london and part-time in deal <gasps> opposite some friends of mine who've bought places in on deal. the coast does she have a boat by any chance <laughs> no she doesn't oh, okay, but she wrote lady of letters you know that radio oh thing oh my TV god did she write that yeah and she was married to max stafford clark that's a fact i'm sure she Good reminded heaven. me it back in the 70s and she was also in cloud nine by carol churchill no with Miriam Margulies. <gasps> so because of my show bucket obviously she was yes. really eager to talk to me um, because I think they'd had quite a lively time when they were doing that, wow. that play back in the 70s so all it's weird how all things connect anyway that is amazing she doesn't look like she looked in the show because she has this sort of strange ponytail so she's got now she's got red hair I mean she's in yeah. her 70s so she can have any colour hair I liked to have right? really bright red hair in my 70s mm-hmm. and she's a lot of fun. fun and she's very clever and I really liked her But so I was going who is that you know you just go who is yeah, that, that person is in this weird dash tracksuit type disguise Yeah, and then it, it, you know it's sort of came to me oh. and I was like oh my goodness yes, that's completely brilliant because I really we'll get onto her scenes in a yeah. bit but I, I really liked her so again it all chimed in but I do remember as well just thinking of, I remember that episode because I remember the whole scandalabra of Abby's baby because oh. that's what you get if you go to a Swiss finishing school well like you said someone always has to have a baby but I I picked up as well just on those themes about the Urquhart family mm-hmm. that I understood that before I understood it the concept of the lavender marriage yes amazing and I was like oh okay Mm. I could do that (laughs) (laughs) Anyway,
1: on some level, I definitely picked up on it. Isn't that weird? I Um, think a lot of the things now, I know watching this back as an adult, I think a lot of the things I learned about life, I did actually learn from Howard's Way, Worrying, But true, it introduced a lot of issues into my life that I was previously unaware of. Anyway, we're going to start the episode now because I'm too excited. It begins with Gerald standing in front of a massive mansion like it couldn't be any bigger. It's the biggest mansion you've ever seen. But it
2: has two next-door mansions, like it's on a sort of private...
1: Yeah. Were they outhouses mansion estate yeah that's what <laughs> it looked like they really crammed in the mansions in on the Tarrant. south coast yeah in those in those days so gerald is waiting outside the back door of this uh, gigantic mansion you can see he's waiting for something he's looking at the sky so a helicopter arrives because he's they... waiting for section 28 to be repeated <laughs> yes he <laughs> is spoiler. but anyway he's waiting for his boss charles freer they're obviously they're all university friends but he's subordinate definitely um, and charles is the very rich millionaire billionaire and who's like super to... dashing and i also oh. can i just say i wanted to often play charles
2: frere and sometimes i mm-hmm. would double up yeah as him yeah but also he was like the dishy mm-hmm. dark haired rich man yeah with a helicopter
1: yes no he's hot stuff he's the 80s ideal but he's old money very importantly yeah he's old money yes you're right he comes from who's his dad nigel davenport isn't it his, yeah his dad in later episodes. frere Free, yes. Do you yes. say frere, or frere? I don't know because I keep realizing in my notes I spell it wrong. I spell it Freyr, uh, but it's spelled Frere it's as in frere, like brother, like French
2: brother, mm. Charles French brother. Well, we'll they will have come over home. in 1066, I imagine. Oh my god, I because love this. When I was at university, there was this guy <laughs> um, whose name was. Well, it looked like on paper mm. Edward Devereux, as in, you know, Devereux, Robert Devereux and yep. Essex, things yeah, like yeah. this. And we were in a history lecture. And I said, Oh, Devereux. And he went, ah, Devereux. The family haven't been Whoa. French since oh. 1066. <gasps>
1: Oh, wow. It's like you touched a sore spot. I was like, well,
2: I'm a scumbag from the Grand Industrial <laughs> Industriel. be depressed, But I was like, goodness, it's a French name and yet you're so English. He wow. didn't do very well, may I add. You said
1: that with some satisfaction. I know, just really
2: remember it was like such a vicious, like, yeah. put down. So that's Frère, I imagine. He's French, I reckon. They came over got it.
1: Norman. So he arrives on a helicopter and they film this helicopter for way too long because clearly they've got a fucking helicopter. So they film it for like an hour. But they
2: film a lot way too long. There's a flash forward, there's a scene with the, featuring the woman that I mentioned which I counted yes. and it went on for like 10% of the episode because
1: <laughs> they probably spent a lot of money on the clothes that they were looking through on the rails yeah. but anyway so Charles arrives on a helicopter cool as you like he's always either in a Rolls Royce a yacht a chopper he says he never arrives in like a, like a skateboard or something um, <laughs> and he's looking for a house so they're walking through these topiary gardens discussing which mansion he might mm. decide to buy because he's just breaking into the south coast with his business interests Super clearly he's got bases all over the world uh, he's decided <laughs> (laughs) Tarrant is the next big thing to crack and Gerald mentions his schedule for the day being rather busy uh, including luncheon with Dalton I like to imagine that's Timothy Dalton It's the right era. I would do it now if it was offered to me. me too. He's another fox. He's a complete fox. I did a podcast called Smirsh Pod, which is brilliant and you must listen to it. Yes. And um, I did the episode that was about the living daylights. About which I'm obsessed. And um, it was just me oozing hormones all over my three hours. (laughs) It was great. Did you wipe it off afterwards? I didn't. I just left it there for the next person. (laughs) Uh, So they, they spend an inordinately long time getting out of the helicopter, watching the helicopter fly away. That's a really long shot. Then they get in a Rolls Royce. But they don't even look at the
2: house. Can I say? No, they don't. He says, "I'm sure the estate agent will let you look around on Monday." And it's like,
1: why did you land here? Yes, you're it's here, even where you're going <laughs> for lunch? You're just looking at the outside. They're all This happens a lot in houses. Where they they arrive at a meeting to discuss when they're having their next meeting. Yeah, this is another one of those situations. I mean, I'd like love they. to write it. I mean, it must be an easy <sighs> job. Well, I did a podcast earlier in the series with Tom Price, the actor, who I believe you know. Very well. And we realised that he actually, if you were casting this again, he would be Tom. You think Tom Price would be Tom Howard? Absolutely brilliant. Why wouldn't he be Leo? No, he'd be Tom. Surely he must be pushing 40 now, Tom Price, isn't he? Yeah, so Tom Howard in this is like 42 or something. Um, So he's going to be Tom. So if you'd like to write it, I mean, we're basically, we're running up to a reboot here. Well, who am I in it, though? Okay, let's think. Who would you like to be? Hmm. Well, Kate Mara, I guess. Fuck yes. Yeah, you're Kate O'Mara. <laughs> Who'd be your Ken? You have to come back and do a Kate Mara episode. Brilliant. So we can discuss who's your Ken. So they spend a long time in the helicopter, looking at the helicopter, not looking at the house. And then they have this really curious scene where they drive down the gravel driveway in the Rolls Royce. Mm. And you think, OK, fair enough. We're going to another scene now. And then there's like sort of heritage strings. Like mm. this is a, an expensive car, an expensive house. And then instead of going to another scene, then it just stops and then it cuts to them in the back of the Rolls where yeah. having another meeting. It's really strange. Because that's
2: how it works in olden days filming as well. It would have taken all morning to get that yeah. set up. Yeah. Then they would have break for lunch and then they would have gone... We'll just do the back of the car God,
1: now. Oh, God. So Charles and Gerald are then in the back of the car and they mention that Charles is hosting a cocktail party mm. at Gerald's house with Gerald's wife, Polly. And Charles mentions that he wants Ken Masters present at the party. And
2: he's written about this. Obviously, Ken is nouveau riche. He's a greasy oik. But Charles Frere Freer. 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 Knows business, doesn't he? And He, he does. him. He wants
1: to keep his eye on him. He's got mm. the land they're keen to buy. They don't like him, they don't trust him, but they are... They want his marina. Yes, so there's going to be a cocktail party. That's always something to look forward to because it's people drinking 1980s drinks in 1980s fashions in a 1980s house. Uh, there's nothing I enjoy watching more. Then we cut to Lynn, who is crossing the Solent oh, yes, this on is this brilliant. kind of speedboat. Now, this had a real resonance for me because oh. very, for a very short time in the late 80s, so probably actually when this was on TV, I lived on the Isle of Wight, not for very long. We were just staying with my grandparents during a, an upheaval in my dad's who job. We going to say during oh. the war. Yes, playing... during the war. We were bombed Goodness. out of London and- <laughs> <laughs> had to come to the out of whack. So this is a hydrofoil and I remember it really well because my mum, you know, she'd be working hard, looking after the home and, and one day a year she'd jolly well want a day off and so she'd go to Southampton on the hydrofoil and go shopping and she'd always bring us back a present. It was lovely. But we always used to go and wave her off on this boat and it's called the Red Funnel Shearwater. Yes. And it was, uh, so I looked it up. You can go to the Red Funnel Heritage page and watch a video about the all their old boats. Well, I've been on it's something lovely. like that because I ended up selling wine
2: during Cow's Week. Did you really? Staying in a house that hadn't been built yet. It's one oh. of those sort of things.
1: I'm just imagining you hovering in mid-air. Like, I don't, how it, do you stay in a house well, that's well, not built? Well, I was a sleeping bag. Okay, got was, you. I mean, it had the outside. It okay, looked like a house. And then inside you're like, oh, it's all breech blocks and there's nothing here. But I had a nice time. Selling wine to yachty people. Okay. Cows is very yachty and posh, isn't yeah. it? There's lots of yachty shops. Well, that's why Lynn's going there to do a race. Obviously. Well, so, no, she is not not just a race the fastnet this is a big deal right Aww. and then she arrives in cows and then we get this is the whole of this programme in my memory was just full of yachts finally we get yacht porn there's fucking yachts everywhere like colourful spinnakers and bows forging through the waves it's like it's properly exciting and they and have and the jazzy music for that like to do always do, 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 do. anyway she rides in cows she's very excited and she meets the all-female crew with whom she will race I know, the fastnet this is the, this is the sort of women's lib meets near. Liberalism element. Yes. This might be my first taste of feminism. I'm not sure if I'd heard of the term before this or even women's lib. I think I probably heard of that in a negative way. And one of, actually Phil Norton, one of the characters in this, does go on to mention women's lib in a slightly snarky way later on. But this is like women doing it for, you know, each yeah, other. It was very, like,
2: with, very respectfully with one line each that yes. they say quietly.
1: Yeah. And they're all wearing red, which I think is very symbolic. It's like fully Handmaid's Tale. They're all in like their red sailing gear. Women. Is there a big sail yellow? There's definitely some yellow going on Possibly. there. Possibly. Again, it's very Dash. Remember this is a Dash 1980s track? label, right? Yeah. And yeah. it was sort
2: of Dash tracksuits. I remember I really Dash wanted one. I think suits. I had a flying suit, you know, like an all-in-one 80s thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. was turquoise, <gasps> which is, I mean, it couldn't wow. be more
1: 1980s. You were David Icke. I guess. <laughs> I just mean stylistically, not like ideologically. I
2: don't think he was in Dash. Da- I mean, what happened to Dash, the label? They sold it in Manchester in the Kendalls, which is a house of I Fraser. I don't know. Now. I mean,
1: I wasn't allowed labels when I was a child, so I could only look at other people's Dash and their Nike wristbands and think, you know, I wish that was me it never was Frog it never was mm. it's okay I'm fine well, don't, now I mean don't think that well, I was dressed in <laughs> labels so uh, then we cut to a very strange scene which, which there is no explanation a very frightening looking man with like the child catcher's nose well this is the whole thing of the episode mm. it takes a long time for nothing to come of that story. I know. Well, the, nothing doesn't come of it, though. Something comes of it. You just have to keep watching, Frog. Mm. I can't believe you're going to end your reacquaintance with the show here. Surely you're going to watch all of it now, aren't you? Well, no, obviously. But I'm just saying in that episode, mm. you're like, oh, here he is again. Just I know, it's a bit looking. strange. There's no indication at all of who he is or why he's there. And he just looks at that picture. Yeah. And then, well, I won't spoil what happened. No, well, so he checks into a hotel. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't smile. No. Now, this Did he we say he's German? Well, we don't know. But I say the music that simon may chooses to score his scenes with is sort of almost like balalikery or there's a russian espionage oh. element to the music so you know i thought when i first saw it i thought oh he's a russian spy yeah he's come oh, to get the like secrets you, of boat you know, mm. a russian spy and then there's he- a strange close-up of the black and white frame photograph of the mermaid boatyard and he kind of gently paws at it but close up and then that's all we see of him for now but it's a bit weird. For now, but then we see him Oh again no, we later. See it, we see him later, mm. but that scene is just literally cut from lovely scenes of sailing uh, yeah, you know, to the, a sinister arrival of a mm. mysterious stranger. In any other modern drama, we'd have bucket loads of exposition about who he is and someone would say, oh, it's Mr. Smith. Well, I like that we don't know who he is. It's completely weird and baffling and then we just leave him again. And then we join Avril and Tom, who are discussing the financial ways of the boatyard. Oh, I loved Avril. And, oh, she's great. But She is kind of the most appealing, I think. I think I'd probably have sex with her if I had to have sex with one of them right now. Really?
2: Avril over everyone? Well, Tom,
1: but then sometimes Tom's such a... Tom and Avril
2: probably, I mean, why not together? It's something like... Actually, they'd probably go for well, that. When I was working with some young people over the weekend on a radio show... Oh, God, how young are we talking? Some of them were under 25. I learnt this thing about a unicorn... What? Do you know what a unicorn is? Is it like a horse with a horn? No, no. Oh. A unicorn is a person, male or female, who has sex with a married, or not married, but a heterosexual couple. Oh. So man and woman. And I was like, isn't that bisexual? Isn't that a threesome? Like a third wheel. It's a unicorn. So unicorns a can unic- be men or women oh. who do this thing. Because somebody had been sent a unicorn icon, whatever right. they're called, emoji yeah, or whatever they are, through some Tinder app. And I was like, oh, well, what could that mean in my naivety? <laughs> yeah, well. And they were
1: like, well, it's this. And now we like, know. Oh, so you could be the Tom unicorn. and Avril's unicorn. <laughs> OK, well, I'm just putting it out there. I mean, I know there's only Avril left now, but, you know, if she's listening. So they're discussing the financial ways of their boatyard. He's also complaining the fact that his wife, Jan, who he's not having a very good time with quite quite frankly, they still live under the same roof, they disagree about absolutely everything and he's now asking her to put the house up as security. So she's now really had enough.
2: Particularly because she's got her own ambitions. But quite. can we just say, this was a, another thing that was always, I found funny at the time when we played Howard's Way, the game, with whoever had to be Jan. That was like, oh, no. I think my friend Tiz had to play Jan. Bonkers. I didn't know loads of people called Jan in the 80s. Like, <laughs> I um, knew actually quite a few. A game my wife and I have played on long tube journeys. Yeah. Sometimes we have to go from Peckham to Ealing. Ooh. and Because um, I'm, you know, intolerant and on the spectrum and I need <laughs> (laughs) entertaining at all times (laughs) may love but it's true and poor Sicily. well anyway one of the games is like names of people that you were at school with or or, you know like popular names of the 90s and we'll do names of women in the 80s okay as characters and you know some are really easy so there's barbara obviously carol quite a lot few yvette's and yvonne's Mm -hmm. and more like jackie's than jans yeah Yeah,
1: I know what you mean. But I I ended up in Bidderiki and we knew like two Jans in our road.
2: Yeah, I guess Jans didn't come
1: to the north. It was obviously an Essex thing. Anyway. Well, they're not in Essex, are they? No, they're not, are they? No idea then. Can't help you. (laughs) So Avril and Tom are discussing the financial woes of the boatyard. He's furious that uh, Jan won't put their house up as collateral on another loan, like I another know. bloody loan. And then... She's been raising children for 20-something yeah, years. Yeah, she's making pasta bake for like the entirety of her life. Just really no gratitude there at all. And then I think this is the only time this happened because it did kind of stand out. Tom actually says, damn, like he's in a Fry and already sketch. Yes, set, and he does. The then he says, I'm going to go and have to try Jan again. So he's going to ask her again, even though... I think the last episode ended with him saying, I need your decision. And her just saying, it's no. (laughs) So Ken, then we see, he's dressed up very smartly and Jan notices.
2: Now, this is the thing about Ken Masters. Yeah. I remember sort of thinking he has a particular, you know, you can smell that musk testosterone on him. Yeah. He's so shiny and smooth and so lean. Mm. It's like a long, lean bean. He is, he is. And he's wearing a fitted, and I would argue it might even be a woman's fitted (laughs) shirt because (laughs) you can see the dark. On it. Is Ken wearing a blouse? I think somebody, I think costume wardrobe have gone. He's ever so thin, and I think we want to have him in streamlined sort of drainpipe yeah. look. And somebody's got a somebody detail. run to um, BHS and get um, or a blouse. tie rack
1: and get a woman's dress shirt for her executive meeting. And they've also very carefully um, the costume department cuts neatly around the huge chip on Ken's shoulder, which he just has to have in every scene. And he is. This episode is really good because he really he's obviously both resentful of the fact that other people seem to have an advantage in life that he doesn't have and also desperate to try and get their their privilege to rub off on him so he talks about Jan's old school network and she's going off to see her fashion designer friend in London and obviously they went to Benenden together. So he's very conscious of it but also kind of wants a piece of it as well
2: Yeah but he, I mean this is such the whole kind of 80s as I said it's like women's lib neoliberalism. This is his time and this is the beginning of the boom in the southeast. Yeah 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 Technically if we could put it into a sort of GCSE History context here for you. <laughs> Please do, but it is. This is like the pickup from post eighty three, that second election, and also the other thing that's interesting about it in a sort of new bit of TV is how um, how sort of downplayed and kind of throwaway Jan is with her lines. She's yeah. really. She's really not doing a lot no. compared to other TV acting. Yes, yeah, there's
1: not, none of that sort of mannered stuff, and there are a couple of the older actors in this who perhaps still bring that with. Well, them. like Dulcie Gray. Yeah, completely. I'm going to talk like I'm uh, in a 1930s
2: film. She which says is great. She says Billy and what the Dickens? Yeah, like now love it. <laughs> if you're going to tell me to go to hell? Come tell him to my face. Whereas yeah. Jan? It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, she's barely doing anything. Yeah. She's kind it's of TV like, um, acting proper. It's a bit like do I mean I believe I do mean Gillian Anderson yeah who barely moves her mouth quite a lot of the time she's just like yeah it's not just men you know Where's that from then? Where did she train? I wonder. Maybe it's just like natural talent. No, well, no. it's back on Vogue now,
1: so she should be back in telly. I know. I'm going to write a part her right now. Please do. Oh my god! If that could come from this podcast, I would be the proudest I've ever been. It of anything. could. Could you write something for both of them? Because I think they should be back well, no, on TV. I, as a I, do you know? I'm, I'm just going to say yeah. right here, exclusive. There's one thing which is
2: sort of commissioned in in yeah. that stage. another thing which has just been, which I can't really talk about too much. But um, there's just been options. You know, an Ooh. idea of mine and like <gasps> i've been working on the treatment for quite a long time yeah but what i really really need is parents of one of the people in the couple are <gasps> expats who are living in sort of south of france and northern of spain and the two of them would be the right age oh my god and exactly the
1: right sort of era okay don't say anything else just get onto the agents and get this so it would this be up. ideal oh my god i'm so excited i can't wait to get home and write it <coughs> Goody. OK, so Gerald calls Ken's office while he and Jan are chatting. And, um, oh, yeah. I mean, he, and uh, he, he loosens his tie and undoes his top button because he's really not Because he can't uh, be in this monkey suit. No, 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 no. He's normal, he's used to necks though, but there, there's a bit more give around the neck. And he makes Jan answer the phone because he's still he a man does. and it's still the 80s. Don't get too ahead of yourself. There's and no and Equal Pay Act for a bit. Then, uh, so yeah, so the, the chip on his shoulder is twitching massively as he says, he don't, <laughs> don't always be available and gives Jan business advice. And then she informs him he's been invited to a very exclusive cocktail party. And that perhaps he'd better um, change his attitude. So obviously, he gets dressed up and goes to the cocktail party. We see that in a minute. And she does also say that she doesn't use her friends, but she does. Yeah, she totally does. Complete bollocks. Um, then we briefly see Lynn and her red and white stripy crew uh, getting ready. They're preparing for the fast net making jokes about. One of them can't cook, which yeah, one is of it's very funny. One of them can't cook. Um, perhaps she's going to poison them all. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, and then awful, awful Phil Norton comes past. Now, he's Anthony Head yeah, the Goldblen man. But he comes past. There's been a previous sort of interchange between the two of them where he basically tried to rape her on a boat and then she dived off and swam to safety. She thought he wanted her to crew for his boat and actually he was just trying to get in her pants and he's a horrible person. He comes past and says, what's this, Lynn? A women's lib day trip. <laughs> Wanker. And then the best language of all time just going get lost (laughs) (laughs) up yours is what she should have said but yeah it's fully fully 80s and then he snarks at her see you at the start line if you can get that far making what happens next all the sweeter yeah
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: And then we return to the Jolly Sailor, where Jack oh, is. Oh, he's hammered, he's <laughs> shit-faced again. He's always shit-faced, and he's boring the barman with uh, his old seafaring tales. I think I might end up playing Jack, not Kate O'Mara. Oh, I don't know if that's true. I think just you know the hair gets bigger. I mean, you can you could re-gender any of these roles, so you don't have to. God, oh, that'd you know, be so funny. Be quite good, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd like to see you propping up the bar at the Jolly Sailor. So Jack is boring the barman about his old sort of seafaring days and repeating himself, and he's just being a, a dreary man and he says he's something nicely about, dressed though costume you've done a good job oh no he looks great he always looks great he's always quite tweedy isn't he and, uh,
2: blazer shirt yeah. cigar slacks
1: Jack says to the barman, he kind of slurs to the barman, "You didn't need assembly lines to build a boat then, Arthur. Just sweat on your brow and blisters on your bum. Now, how you get blisters on your bum building boats, I don't know. Yeah, you're sitting down on the job. It sounds like he's dragging his ass across the boatyard
2: like a well, dog. <laughs> think about it. He might be underneath it. He oh, might have to lie down, perhaps, not on a sort of board with wheels. Yeah, perhaps you're right. Because this was the old days, and so <laughs> he is having to
1: shuffle across under the hull <laughs> of the boat doing things. They did boat building." differently in his day anyway the barman is bored with him clearly he is ref- well later on he's actually refused another drink which is very B-U-M. unusual BUM
2: I mean is that compliance did somebody have to send it <laughs> off and they
1: said we can't say bum because oh, it's Sunday nights yeah so but BUM perhaps I don't know it seems a bit odd that these bells it out but maybe he's just being old fashioned and then the phone rings behind the bar and it's Kate Dulcie Grey checking up on him because obviously no mobile phones but she knows he's going to be at the bar they're their mates now and she said Come on stop drinking so much. Obviously in this episode he really doesn't heed that advice at all. And she calls him pusillanimous, which I thought was lovely. And then he says to her, "Leave me alone, you old tea bag," and slams down the phone. Mm. End of scene. Obviously things are going to get much worse for him. And then we see Leo and Abby, who, who all of their scenes in this portion of Howard's Way are in Southampton. She's gone to the big city, which is a very scary and bleak place. It's always cloudy and it's very urban and sort of grimy and mucky looking. I mean, to, to give them their due, you know, a lot of shows were a bit squeamish about saying the word abortion back then. They talk about it. Um, and Abby says to Leo, you don't believe in it, do you? Like it's Father Christmas. <laughs>
2: and then he also has to say, oh, I really wouldn't want anyone to force their beliefs on me. So I shouldn't be forcing yeah. them on, on you. But that means you. Yeah, he doesn't believe it at all. But anymore. it's a sort of belief. It's nothing really to do with him, quite By frankly. It's not even <laughs> his baby. Um, and he, you probably talked about this already, of course, is Freddie Highmore's dad.
1: Yes. And they do look so similar. They do. And I have an exclusive if you'd, like, if you'd like to receive it now. Yes. Prepare yourself. So one of my old friends from the Guardians, he's an Australian man who worked here for a while and he's moved back to Australia now. And he interviewed Freddie Highmore for one of his movies. Australia, I believe, did get Howard's Way and Stephen did grow up watching it. And he said, oh, so your dad's Leo in Howard's Way. Have you watched any? Freddie Highmore has never seen Howard's Way. He's never watched his dad on TV. Wow. I just think that's
2: outrageous. Well, I've lost a lot of respect for Freddie. Because he did a
1: really good job. Yeah, I agree. I think that shows very little respect for your I father. never watch myself, I have to say. Well, that's different. But your children will be watching everything you've done, presumably as soon as their eyeballs are ready and old enough.
2: Oh, God. I dread this day no. when they can watch such things. Mm. It's lovely. It's nice to have that to look but back on. But most of the things I'm in, mean, I swear in. Do you say B-U-M? <laughs>
1: I might have to start saying that. That'll be their first word, probably. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes. Yeah, so they're talking about Abby's plan to abort her baby. And as it turns out later in the episode, she's quite pregnant by this point. We, we yes, never quite know how. It's well, she's too Well, it all happened abroad. It happened in Switzerland. And she's been back from Switzerland for a long time. All series. It's like and, all series. Um, exactly so they
2: have to go and have the conversation in a sort of weird like, urban waste ground they always where do where some rascally children are running
1: by and there's then there's one rather sullen girl on like a swinging tyre just staring at them and they cut to her at the end of the scene just watching them yeah. like really you're going to have an abortion really yeah look, here's well, what you could have won yeah oh well, it's horrible it's so bleak uh, and you can be left in no doubt about the you know the general opinion surrounding but I mean this is like hot there would have been presumably it would be like oh my goodness
2: children couldn't watched some of the episodes of Grange Hill there'd have been people turning off Yeah, you're not going to be allowed
1: to watch Mm-mm. this no I know exactly and then we cut back to <laughs> I watched it of course even though it turns out I was six years old at the time <laughs> yeah, I can't well, Yeah, maybe you're right maybe there were reruns <laughs> it's fine to you put yourself back in those shoes and think six years old I know <laughs> anyway I was ten and I still think that was too young anyway the barman tells Jack the Jolly Sailor that he really oughtn't to have any more. It's probably the first time that Arthur the barman has refused Jack a drink and he says, are you refusing me a drinky (laughs) poos? I love uh, Glenn Owen's drunk I also my favourite thing. But I
2: love how drunk you could get in TV in general, but particularly in the 80s as well. It's it's like mad men standards of drinking. Yeah, they can drink almost limitless amounts of booze. And now that doesn't happen. Still in America, TV shows have women drinking bottles of wine. Yeah,
1: but you know, that's to denote that they have a terrible problem. A terrible drinking problem. one cigarette, that's also like, you're a, you're you a bad transgressed. mother. Yes, yeah, exactly. You're an arsehole. You've had a cigarette. He calls the barman a miserable old twazuk, and then he leaves, watched by the evil man with the Russian oh, soundtrack yes. sitting in the corner of the pub. See, in my mind, he was German, you know. Well, let's call him the German then for now. But, you know, he looks like the child catcher from uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But old. Yeah, but like much older. And, he's and got, not as good at dancing. No, no. He's got a brilliant face. He couldn't play a nice character. So but he, he got had no a brilliant chance. career, that guy yeah he, I bet he started
2: and did loads of theatre before the war yeah glory days of rep mm. he probably gave his Lear yeah a bit like you know in the dresser the play the dresser yes. I imagine acted like, actor manager at one no he never was that and then he kept going and got some TV when yeah. TV happened
1: yeah because that face the camera loves it well the camera hates it but yeah the camera and loves I think it, he probably any... lives in like Richmond Twickenham sort of area definitely yeah. and he could be seen now sort of just well, not now. now I think he's no I, he's still alive definitely everyone from Harris Way is still alive I can't bear the idea that any of them have gone well, well that's why I Watch it to keep them alive. Okay, um, <laughs> he'd be a hundred years old now. That's fine. They're fine. He's fine. He's alive. He's alive. Uh, uh, so anyway, we briefly see him watching from the corner of the pub. Again, no more explanation of who he is. He doesn't interact with anyone. And then Tom and Jan are in Tom's. I think it's a Jaguar. He's got, but I'm not sure. He's got a nice car. Yeah, no, car. they do. They refer to the Jag. It's left over from his days of being an aeronautics designer before he lost his job. And the two of them are clearly arguing. He's trying to persuade her again to basically put their house up as collateral for a loan to keep the boatyard going because it's hit financial trouble again. Oh, but she's quite soft on him, isn't he? Because yes, when Ken, Ken says, is. like,
2: oh, all right, come on, we go. Why don't we get a spot of lunch? And she goes, no, Tom's asked me for lunch and looks a bit romantic Yeah, her,
1: so. yeah, yeah. And it's, it, she doesn't often pick Tom over Ken these days. But she does say that she thought he was going to apologise for asking her to basically put their house at risk. And he's like, no, actually, I'm just asking you the same question again. Can we put yeah. the house at risk? They're not a crisis point at this point but she does say it's almost as if you're going your way and I'm going mine Howard's way. Why can't they just move the apostrophe? It makes me so angry. Well, unless it's both of their ways, and we foolishly
2: thought it was Tom Howard, but it's mm. Tom and Jan Howard's. Yes, maybe, maybe that's way. our. Bad. It should and be Howard's
1: ways, and it's plural. Not... Um, anyway, she agrees reluctantly to put the house up as collateral, but there's that horrible moment where you can just see the light dim from her eyes. Mm. And that's probably the point where she thinks, You'll never care what I think about this. I don't love you anymore. She doesn't say anything, but he puts his hand towards her cheek, and she kind of moves away and his hand rather awkwardly hovers in middle and it's there. quite big He's got a great big hand. <laughs> like Donald Trump would be terrified yeah. of his hand. And it does it just stays in midair as she kind of you know shrinks back from it. Meanwhile, Kate is on the warpath. path. She's gone to the pub to see if she can find Jack. He's not there. Oh. We know why, then. We'll find him in a minute. Then we're back to sea. We're on board the Mickey Mouse. In fact, no, we're not. We're watching the Mickey Mouse versus the Icebreaker. That's mm. the women's team. And the two of them are really close at loggerheads. They're sort of But the girls are doing really better. Then they've got their spinnaker out. Thank you. Yes, they have. Now, is yellow is this where you remember it from yes that's what it then. is okay there you go Phil Norton is on the other boat he's furious he's shouting at his crew they're all having a miserable time meanwhile the women are kind of smugging at each other having a brilliant time well they're cooperating aren't and they yeah and the women's listening skipper listening to each other and the women skipper Joe Penhalligan says we're rubbishing them girls <laughs> and it's just thrilling they've all got
2: also they've all got those voices which are just so much higher because yeah. it's the 80s yeah and you can just hear
1: them better over the wind yeah <laughs> the girls are beating their boat and they're all smiling and terribly jolly about the whole thing and the men are really like whoa they're having a shit time because they're being beaten by a bunch of girls and quite right too it's a lovely payoff to the awful scene a few episodes back where Phil basically tries to force himself on Lynn. Then we return to Kate who is roaring through Jack's letterbox at his house and then it, everything takes a very tragic turn and she finds him face down on the carpet you know sort of empty bottle of whiskey in hand unresponsive and clearly things are gone very wrong for him he's drunk too much mm. that hardly ever happens to jack normally he can just keep drinking and driving he can you know he can do again all of that. it's the 80s It was allowed and people had bigger livers or something well i guess they died younger didn't they yes i suppose they did life expectancy was and, not but they long.
2: retired and you know on one hand also affordable housing free education so yeah. like, um, and no social media no phones I know. A better quality of alcoholic life <laughs>
1: They spent time with each other, drinking. Yeah. Then we see, this is a bit curious, we see Ken giving Jan a lift to Southampton train station. Yes. And seeing her off to London. And she carries her own bag, thank you very much. Well, yes, she does. But that's not the point, Frog. The point is, there's a train station in Tarrant with a direct commuter train that goes to London. What the fuck's she doing in Southampton? Maybe the trains weren't working that day. Is she getting
2: the British Pullman or like the Orient Express?
1: I mean, possibly. I don't know. But I just wanted that clarifying because there's a perfectly good train where they live. So just wondering why she had to go all the way to Southampton. Hang on. Where did she meet Tom for lunch? In Tarrant. Although I, that's not made clear. They're just driving in a car, aren't they? But he wouldn't have gone to Southampton. He lives and works in Tarrant. No one leaves Tarrant unless they need to. Well, ah, but at the cocktail party... Oh, yeah. ...one of the
2: posh people who's talking to Ken Masters, and he goes, oh, do you live in town? And
1: he goes, in Tarrant. And then he pulls, just a, at, horrib- yeah. he pulls a horrible face... So maybe... Well, I, I thought it was considered quite the place to be. But anyway, I'm confused by the whole train station debacle. But I love seeing the old British rail sign. I know. It's nice, isn't it? A little touch of nostalgia. Yeah. I just think graphic design back then was just better... It I've got to that age now where I think everything was a bit better back then. Not everything, but you know, gender equality wasn't, for example. But you know, the graphic design was pretty shit hot. And then um, Tom tells Avril that they've got the loan, so the boatyard is saved. Phew! They're really happy about really it. Really happy about that. I wonder they don't just start necking in the office. Well, they, they save themselves. They save to the end. <laughs> to Howard's way, it's pretty well paced. They do make you wait for these big, these big moments. Jack wakes up in a hospital bed, clutching his head, and you think, oh, he's in hospital. But Kate moves a lot faster than that. He's in rehab. Like somehow she's managed to get him straight to rehab. And she
2: explains exactly what I would always call, whenever I'm watching TV, I always call out my part. And it's a kind of little joke. I always go like, oh, there's the stumbling, bumbling, one line old hag. And I'm like, my part <laughs> in anything I see and do. It's like a sort of drinking game. But I was like, well, any minute now, there's going to be a sort of bit of a characterful nurse come along. Okay. But
1: no, I didn't get a part. Well, I mean, obviously in the remake, we're aiming a bit higher than that for you. Well, the, I think maybe our our we'll just version. do where I play all of the parts. Okay, fine. Apart from
2: Tom Price could be Tom Howard. <laughs> can he please? Then I will be everybody else. <laughs> okay, fine. Using
1: CGI. All right. Now, that sounds fine. Not a problem. Like, Apart from um, the real Avril. <laughs> we, we, so want, we can all get off with her. Yeah, we want her back so we can all cop off with her. <laughs> She's gorgeous. So Jack is in rehab and Kate's there telling him it's about time. It's a he, cute alcoholic poisoning. Jack. That's right. He's poisoned himself with yeah, whiskey. And you can choose now what to do, can't you? Yes. Yeah, so he's allowed to leave, but he doesn't. He stays, uh, perhaps a little shaken by, you know, the collapse he's just experienced. And then again, we see the evil man with the child catcher nose, the German mm. man, possibly. Um, and he's suddenly taken the photograph of the Mermaid Yard out of its frame mm. and set fire to it in the hotel bin. Having lovingly stroked it before mm. and sort of reminisced, now yeah. he's burning it. Can you remember what happens? With I him? can. I know who he is now. Yeah, oh, I so is he Russian man? no.
2: And he's not German.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> he's just yeah, a guy. Okay. I can't reveal who he is, but he's, yeah, he's just some guy. I presume it, I
2: come can't, back see, from I the can't past. remember. Yes, it's from the past, and mm. that photo holds some secret. It's significance.
1: Certainly, significance. And does he yeah. have a claim to the whole world? Well, That's really why I vaguely divulge. remember them. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he has a connection know. to the boatyard, and he's it doesn't like Jack very much, uh, and it's explained why in later episodes. They're old enemies. You don't have, to, yeah, and you don't have to wait that long to find out. In fact, that plot line is pretty much sewn up in like two, three Top. There's like nothing them... better, though, than an old enemy coming I back. I know, I know. And his, but I, I, again, I really like that they don't explain who he is. He just he just lurks in the background looking German. Yes, and again, that music accompanies everything he does. He burns the photograph. We've no idea why. <laughs> no, we do. We have some ideas and we're on
2: tenterhooks to find out. I know. right? Also, burning things is such a thing from telly and also in the olden days because you can't do it now because no. of fire alarm. Mm-hmm. But I remember at university once burning something chucking <gasps> it in a bin. Okay. And I sort of did it in that dramatic way of going... Chew and then, you know, putting it in a bin, a metal bin. Yeah, was that safe and that's fine? Well, no, because obviously there were fire alarms that <laughs> were linked up <laughs> and in the university building and like the fire people turn up and <gasps> the dress rehearsal is has to be postponed and all of this business. Oh, no. But I was just, when I saw it, it immediately brought that memory back because I was thinking, you never see that in TV programs. No. no. Evidence is never burned. Never.
1: And then. Leo this is my favourite scene in the whole episode so because Jan is staying in London tonight because she's off on a fashion buying trip using her friends absolutely Leo is then haplessly hopelessly trying to make lentil casserole for the family dinner but he's really
2: earnest because he's like like, trying to be like a new man he's always uh, so earnest but I don't
1: really know he just drops it (laughs) he's just so shit so he makes lentil casserole which just sounds disgusting anyway and
2: it's one of those things as well where it's like men trying to do things but oh they can't be trusting you it's funny that isn't it because the way in which men can't be trusted is because they're so cat-handed that they're dropping a thing so why they then should be trusted with government politics and war I know right and medicine and business if they can't actually hold a <laughs> hot
1: yeah casserole dish this whole episode is like a, it's just a cheerful reminder of everything they can't do they can't win races in boats they can't cook fucking dinner anyway so he drops it all over the floor the whole thing goes in the bin he offers to make savoury rissoles I don't even know what they are it sounds disgusting it sounds, what like, sounds like a sounds like some sort of arse part I don't think he eats vegetarian at home but you can tell he wants to be vegetarian when he finally moves out and he's also into Greenpeace and, can you, you know, get sweet rissoles don't know What's even in one? Somebody write in and tell us. Yeah, please write in and say, at <laughs> always their pod on Twitter, what the hell is a wristle? And our vegetarian one's nice and even worth bothering with. Anyway, Tom suggests they eat out. Job done. That's very sensible. They're hopeless men who can't cook for themselves. Well, they go to the pub, presumably. Yeah, I, I expect maybe they go a to the beef Jolly eater. Sailor. Oh, perhaps a beef eater. They, or a little probably chef. Have, probably have to go to Southampton or the motorway for that. And nobody leaves Tarrant, so that's impossible. Right. Then go to the Jolly Sailor and have some chips in a bowl. Then we go. Scampi. Back to- <laughs> scampi. Definitely. Oh, have
2: scampy when you go. Oh, no, if I can, I will. Definitely. And the Shandy half
1: yes oh I can't (laughs) wait I hope it's sunny so we can sit outside freezing like they do on the show then we go back to the the deck of the icebreaker the boat that Lynn's on with her all female team terrible and she's just being capable and a team player and and it's awesome and then we go back to Jan who's now in London with your friend yes as it turns out so Sonia is this amazing fashion designer Sonia that's it Sonia and Jan used to go to school together Jan is now visiting her because she wants to kit out her new boutique she's persuaded Ken to put some money into a very high end I mean really high end boutique we see her in another episode buying dresses that are something like £190 at cost each and she's going to knock them out for 300 quid. it's like this, is, this is 85 I mean you could buy a terraced house for that well you can also wear in one the of her 80s. dresses which most of them are voluminous enough to live in as a terraced house <laughs> and both characters in this scene are wearing such enormous dresses they're quite small women in huge billowing dresses and actually Sonia the fashion designer as she comes to see Jan instructs her seamstress Just be a bit more generous, a bit more generous with the fabric. It's like more generous. This model that she's fitting is already swamped in fabric. It was so ab-fab, that whole sequence. It was completely ab-fab, yeah fashion 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 did you ever watch gems as well that was the other series i think oh, somebody I mean, from gems. howard's way was in gems it was set in a covent garden fashion house i'm sure there was some crossover with the uh, with the howard's way cast anyway i was very into watching stuff about fashion at that time never really worn fashion or even bought it but i certainly liked i used to like watching programs about it I used to watch the clothes show well yes. no interest in fashion for some reason i really liked the clothes show yes Can't and the clothes why. show
2: wedding of the year was always at easter holidays oh my god i'd forgotten about mm. that and the, up until quite late up until the mid 90s yeah. late 90s even I don't think 90s. they should bring the clothes show back
1: yeah there's nothing on TV that's what and they never ever did
2: and though they could have done because mm. they, they never ever did a feature about Rain Max and Macintosh's to Return of the Mac
1: <laughs> which I always well, I, missed a trick there. I practically wanted to write in to points of view oh. saying come on <laughs> it's okay because Lorraine could do it on her ITV show or This Morning could do that quite easily no. they have fashion spots still yeah but they have like write all, in and say to them Here's
2: a you know no they're not what I want I want okay, the full thing <laughs> with Jeff Banks
1: and the oh, other one what was the woman called Karen Franklin Yeah I liked her Anyway I think Karen Franklin's some brilliant campaigner now for sort of like sizes you know like can what, we just make have up like some bigger sizes norm bigger sizes can everyone have the same size can we can you make more sizes just sizes because the lack of sizes in shops is so boring It's I mean, so boring Obviously
2: men are small medium large extra large Yep Apparently women are just size 8, Well, or we've sold out. So annoying. <laughs> I
1: can't stand going shopping. It well, there was a me- lot
2: of... Good clothes and also at least three or four minutes of the designer who's also a photographer
1: taking photos of a woman. Oh God, I know. It goes love on that. for so long. I know. Again, they've got the wind machine, they've got the probably an expensive dress. the costume people on Howard's Way they did have quite a big budget and they did buy quite a lot of proper designer stuff, so it looked right. Yeah. Even though obviously to our modernised now, it's like, Jesus Christ, why is she wearing a parachute? <laughs> so there's a bit of fashion business, it's very abfab. fab. And then my favourite solitary shot of this episode episode. We cut back to the mermaid boatyard. It's very rare you get this shot I don't think I've seen it before or since and Avril is standing just outside the office, there's like a hut basically um, she's surveying the boatyard and then directly above her is the bust of the mermaid that you see in the closing credits. It kind of presides over the boatyard when, if you ever do a wide shot and so she's kind of mirroring the pose of the mermaid with its you know, boobs thrust forward and she's oh, kind of standing Avril. there underneath it. Again it's like these TV directors going no sod it, let's go the extra mile <laughs> Well, let's do it let's have some symbolism in here so it's a very beautiful shot she's watching tom i put it here rather childishly she's watching tom get wood she is watching tom get wood he's unloading some wood off the back of a lorry because he's finally now the money's all in place he's going to design he's going to build the prototype of the boat that will go on to become the barracuda it's i don't think exciting
2: tom and other men in the 80s in that thing would get wood very easily <laughs> because they drank so much <laughs> kenwood no, they didn't no have that's the whole point about ken yeah, it's like you think ready so. to yes, that's, that's his, his appearance. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As a homosexual six year old. <laughs> even I picked up on that. But
1: that, that's the, the power of Ken is such yeah, that the homosexual exactly. six year old was like, wow. Exactly. Yes, sorry. Yeah.
2: Whereas Tom, I think, oh, I think it would take ages and Avril would have to say it's it really doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> One of my well, other guests was talking about the slightly resigned tone of some of the women in house where they all sound a little bit oh well, never mind. Yeah, perhaps that's why. Yeah. Exactly. I think you've just found the reason. And then, oh, gosh, so it's, it's a highs and lows, this episode. So the mermaid boatyard, everything's going for a while. But with, with Leo and Abby, obviously things are getting very, very bleak and very sad. And he's taking her to the clinic to go and talk about effectively.
2: Which is another sort It looks very
1: like the stately home of the opening. <laughs> yes. Well, I think they're back in Tarrant because actually the doctor, obviously... There are no Asian characters in this, apart from Davey, who works at the boatyard. And Davey's dad is the only other Asian character. He's not really in it, except when they need a doctor. And Abby goes to see him to talk about the abortion. So she's obviously back in Tarrant, but she hasn't told her parents. So what was she doing in Southampton? She'd run away to Southampton to get away from her mum and dad, basically. And walk around an in industrial estate. Yes, but apparently she's yet to sign up with a Southampton GP, so she's had to come back to I, I So Davy's dad is the doctor she goes to see to talk about her termination. So he takes her to the clinic and on his motorbike, and then we see Jan again, back in glamorous London, inspecting Sonia's designs, and she comes across, she says the really unconvincing line, Sonia, these dress designs are quite stunning. Yeah, she weighs one above her head, and it turns out that's not Sonia's design. That is a French designer, who's also the photographer. Yeah, and his name is. Can you remember his name? Uh, The Frenchest name in the world, Jean Jacques. Nearly, it's Claude Dupont. A Claude Dupont Claude
2: Dupont but just to say that the designs what was that 80s toy where you could do designs on a wheel oh, like a um, fashion I wheel I had one of those
1: like a spiral. it was called a fashion wheel wasn't it yeah or something like that I, I had that well that's what it looks like they've oh. done it on somebody in art has <laughs> gone <"Whoa."> <laughs> <laughs> they've gone on their kids fashion wheel <laughs> there's probably like a real fashion designer now bristling uh, I was saying that because they probably they probably did get a real fashion designer but it is this very cliche kind of like there's massive like triangular shoulders yeah. and then the little tiny terribly thin waist and yeah. a hat always a hat like a box some kind of box hat and like a sort a of pointy box. shoe feet yes like you that is on. fashion wheel like Vic Reeves when he's floating through yeah. the air being Lloyd Grayson <laughs> in that sketch yeah yeah, yeah. bong <laughs> um, so Claude Dupont is an amazing fashion designer he's sort of um, spoken about as being you know really temperamental and like he doesn't like his own designs you know he's an artiste he's very difficult to work with uh, but obviously Jan really wants to meet him mm. and and we are going to meet him it, I found this whole thing just very obviously it's it's hindsight but very very victoria would like you could have seen her playing all of these parts yeah but that was the and thing and just, it goes on for oh, so long it really really does but
2: also sonia's doing quite a bit of what i call business you know yes. the acting school of business which meryl streep does there's like if you don't have any lines you're still doing a lot of acting and stuff <laughs> and sonia is giving is business she? like there's no other like it's going out of fashion okay cool oh nice yeah. oh, i had not actually prepared that, by Little- right well done um, a lot of
1: eyes and a lot of things and ponytail and all sorts so we briefly i'm afraid we have to go back to abby talking to the doctor (laughs) and at this point he basically says to her why have you waited this long it clearly is because she's had doubts and And just how old is she well she did school and then finishing school so i don't know did she go to university as well or they just they didn't did they so finishing school is instead of university so so she must be like 1920 tops Could be Mm. older than that, could she? If she did A-levels. I reckon she's probably just 20. I think she did a cooking course. They do suggest, actually. And no, I think um, she she says to Leo in a very early episode, my mum suggested I do a Cordon Bleu course. There you go. Because it might get her a husband. That's the way they thought. Well, back it didn't then. work
2: out. I mean, I guess it did for Polly, but also. Mm. But, you know,
1: well, we'll talk about so what, her Polly later. So, what is Polly, therefore, is only like, meant to be 41? They're all in their <laughs> early 40s. It's absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> but they are 42, on. and they're my age. Yeah, they are. The actors are. are, but people looked older in the past. They did look older in the past, but they are. The actors are in their early forties, I'd say. They're like the kind of Jan and Tom's, Polly's, they're all in their early. Yeah you know, Jan looks all right. oh she does. Avril look, looks good. How, I, how old I, is I, Avril? Twenty-one, probably. <laughs> <The> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's definitely younger, isn't she? Um, probably about ten years younger, I'd guess. But anyway, um, we briefly then see. It's such a fast-forwarded storyline this one, but I love the. I love how it propels forward. Kate like and Jack, a boat. yeah, exactly, thundering <laughs> through the waves. Kate and Jack are then walking in the garden at the rehab centre, and he sort of says so he probably he probably will stay and she's trying to be a pal and she's trying to keep him on the wagon and then we go back and see Claude Dupont uh, mm. shooting this fashion shoot this kind of sh- woman wearing some kind of foil back so affair long. it goes on for ages again they have got the wind machine and you need to see him in action and he is simmeringly gorgeous but very, quite very French very very French but he suggests that he and Jan go for dinner and if your friend Sonia's waggling her eyebrows yeah. like crazy like go dinner is it
2: and then Jan is like yes I'd, I'd really like that mm. Mm. Very, very. You know, she's very, holding back. Yeah, she's quite mumblecore. She is. Um, <laughs> I like that. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what she. Yeah. You know, um, she keeps it on the down low. And uh, but she's
1: really blown away by this guy or oh, yeah. the wind machine. One of the two. Well, who wouldn't be? He's gorgeous. But also, I, mean, I don't think he could be more French. And obviously, I, I knew the actor playing him wasn't French, but I didn't realise how not French he was until he's from Tyneside. Yeah, yeah. If you know, if you Google, um, he's called um, Malcolm Jameson. Lovely actor. Still very handsome. The most Scottish man on earth. <laughs> He's very, very b- Scottish. He's a, he does like performance poetry and stuff now. He's really There's some really interesting stuff on YouTube that he's, uh, he's presenting. I couldn't find lots about him. Anyway, back at sea. Mm. Uh, sailing music, sailing music. Wind, wind, wind. Um, Lynn, I just noted here, has matched her hair bobbles to her red sailing outfit. Which Excellent. pleased me greatly. And then suddenly, <laughs> this is just fantastic. Because they're just so bloody tough, these women. Suddenly, something whips round as a rope flies loose. A member of the crew... Uh, flies overboard, and the skipper, Joe, says, Take the helm, Lynn. I think I've broken my arm. <laughs> but, like, not in any pain at all, clearly. But somebody's, just... like, in the water. So one of the crew goes overboard, and Leave the skipper. Leave her! I know, it's like we're, we're in a race. <laughs> yeah. Let her die. Let Dead her die. <laughs> they have this kind of uh, discussion about, you know, obviously they're going to save her life, but they have a discussion after this incident. About whether they should carry on the race or take her broken arm to hospital. Yeah, she's like, race. oh bollocks to that. Let's just carry on. We're going to Plymouth anyway, yeah. so it's brilliant. So she's racing now with a broken arm. This skipper, she's so inspirational. I love her so. But it's quite tense when they're trying to get her out to the water with a rope. And actually, it looks quite realistic because they are just the actors are just tugging her onto well, back onto the ship. It and is. I like like feel like it is all filmed in real time, I and think that's so. why everything takes it so takes long. a long time. You're right. <laughs> there were no cuts there. It does seem to be happening like yeah in, you know, in front of our eyes, and then it, obviously. In contrast to this, they're all pulling this poor wretched soggy woman back onto the deck, and then we cut to Polly in a red sequin column dress, shimmering down the stairs of her mansion, ready for this cocktail party She's that Charles ever so Ferrer thin. was talking about. She's ever so thin. Well, I, don't, I don't think she eats very much, Polly. She just drinks gin. Yeah, uh, we only ever see her drinking gin. She doesn't even eat the olives in her gin. She just puts the olives to one side, and then Gerald eats them. That's just a nice note about their relationship. Uh, Gerald warns Polly not to get too pissed, and the cocktail party begins. Back at the boatyard, the evening evil German man who's not German (laughs) we see him stalking amongst the boats and he's you know up to something clearly inside unbeknown to Avril and Tom who obviously they're just there talking they don't know he's outside they're inside talking about how things are going a lot better now and they deserve nice dinner so they're going to Casper's Now, Casper's is like the poshest restaurant in Tarran. You only usually take an important client there. You don't just go there for dinner.
2: Casper's is the name of the um, one of the restaurants in the Savoy. Oh, really? Mm. Uh, Maybe
1: that was inspired by uh, yeah, by the the cat. Really? Yeah. Oh, Casper the Cat. Yeah, I like that. You should totally go. I might suggest now to my husband with a waggle of my eyebrow Darling, shall we go to Casper's? You must. (gasps) I can't wait. Oh, I have so many things to do (laughs) thanks to this podcast. So, yes, they're going for a fancy dinner. Casper's is also where Ken took Jan in a previous episode. Mm. And they didn't, nothing happened, but they did end up dancing the tango. So, you know, shit can go down at Casper's if you're not careful. And then instead of going to Casper's, Avril changes her mind and says in a rather more sultry tone, I know somewhere else and you don't have to book. My she doesn't mean my <laughs> <laughs> but Anyway, but, so but
2: mine has a very long la- waiting list. <laughs> like uh, the fat duck, obviously. You, the, the book's open three months in advance. You really need to call on Monday morning at nine
1: o'clock. And door security. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you but, bring photo ID. <laughs> Then we go back to the cocktail party and we meet a very important character, although he's never really given any kind of backstory, save for he is a banker. But Sir John Stevens is a big character throughout the rest of this series. In fact, yes. throughout the rest of all the series, um, I think he might die right at the end because he's so old by oh, then. Oh, because he's so
2: rich, I thought you were
1: going to say. Well, so rich and so oh, well, old. Well, no,
2: maybe he dies on Black Thursday,
1: Friday, Monday, whichever it was. Oh, 87 he maybe he the does. Crash. Yeah. No, I think it's natural causes. He's like, he's, I mean, even by, in 85, he's fucking ancient. Yeah. So he's sort of like this huge pair of bushy eyebrows in a dinner suit. Ken, obviously, having been invited to this party, has pulled out all the stops and is in this really kind of OTT white tux. Mm, Which is wrong. He's in, it's it's a Caribbean. That's what that's called. Because everyone else is in black tie. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, the
2: history of from white tie to black
1: tie. But again, it's another Americanism, the white tux as black tie was
2: originally but it's
1: quite good that he's obviously seen it on a lot of movies and thinks it's like the way to dress yeah, it's in, wrong. I in mean, high they're, society
2: they're inside for a start oh so that's wrong is it so white inside he still has a black bow tie doesn't he, does he have has a done black done tie done something rubbish no. like have a sort of a cross, yeah like a red <laughs> one one, satin
1: et it would be great if they just if they made it clear that he'd hired his suit yeah you know? he's kissing Sir John Stevens' ass because he's a sir so, so someone like Ken with the chip that he carries around with him about his class or his lack of it um, he just wants to be his best friend and it's really embarrassing and then Gerald is following Charles around the cocktail party kind of giving him cues as to who everyone is so that Charles can seem really knowledgeable about who all of his guests are and is it the kind of party you'd like to have gone to well I imagine again because it's the 80s the booze would have been
2: really free flowing wouldn't yeah, it yeah there's a waiter to topping up glasses yeah so yeah. I would have liked that very much and I would have been in black tie
1: would you yeah but the correct suit presumably yeah not some fucking white job from Moscow not some
2: Caribbean number no <laughs> I would have gone down to New and Lingwood probably on oh. um, German Street did they have a branch on the south coast because you know no I think they've only really got two branches uh, they've got the one on German Street and the one in, one in Eton so obviously there's one in Eton naturally um, so I would have gone there and I would have looked very stylish and I would have had a really good time. And at first, people would have been like, oh, there is this monstrous woman woman." in a suit. And then they would have. You know, I'd have done some wheeler dealing. Oh, I see. And they'd I think Charles, Charles impressed by Frere me. Freer would have gone, ah, actually, this woman's
1: going to be really useful for ah, me. Yeah, well, he's not a fool frog. I mean, you know, if, if he sensed the business acumen that's frankly whiffing off you right now, then I'd right, exactly. be Right, exactly. And Polly would have really liked me, friends. and I would have got the gossip immediately. And You'd i would been have... her amusing friend from the city. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. From London. This is my but friend. From I London. also probably would have said, Polly, I don't know if you know, but I saw in one of those clubs. That that I go to oh, yes. I saw your husband
1: <laughs> and do you have any comments and make? then she would have had to say I knew before like that song yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the song I mean the whole facade of her marriage would just crack before you so the cocktail party is all sort of just people sucking up to other people essentially and Charles obviously while wanting Ken's land really doesn't trust him at all and he tells Gerald yeah. to keep an eye on him and keep him away from Sir John and Ken says I'm just going to go and talk to Sir John he's an international banker you know <laughs> Clearly just so impressed. It's like a kid meeting, I don't know. Who would be the big person back then? Frank Bruno or something. And then Tom and Avril, it turns out, haven't gone to Casper's. They've had dinner on the Flying Fish. Which was the first boat he designed. I know, and it means a lot to him. There's been romantic tension simmering between them. They've kind of acted on it before, but it was a bit sort of, oh. But now they clearly can't hold back any longer. They've had a bit of white wine, and I don't know, fish pie or something. Or a sprinter, I think. Maybe. Do you think it was? Yeah. Okay, he comes up on deck with two glasses, a bit more wine. And he's talking about how he probably couldn't ever change. Now he's kind of stuck in his no, ways. Mean, well, he says there's no way I could ever work for somebody else, exactly. having worked for myself, which is only inflaming her desire even more. And then she says to him very sincerely, in a way that his wife never would, mm. crucially. Don't ever change, Tom. And then... She's going to regret that. Well, yeah, she is, actually. And then the camera is on them quite close in. And then, obviously, after what seems like eons, they finally kiss... And then the camera, it must be on. How do they do this in TV? You know this, you've made programmes that the camera seems to be right close to them, but then it suddenly is going miles away. Well, they've got it on a crane. Yeah, it must be on a crane. So again, this is money being spent It must have cost a lot of money doing that shot that would have made everybody so excited and really happy. So they're snogging for a long time because the camera, to Simon May's romantic theme, pulls back. (laughs) And then it beautifully segues into Barracuda and then we're back at sea ba, ba, the mermaid burst, the title's going up Um I just think that's a, that was a rather nice way to end the episode Oh, there was an excellent episode so you've watched this again presumably for the first time in quite a long time yeah but tell like, me you're going to go back and watch more oh god yeah in fact I'll tell you now it won't be a surprise I will send you the box set because when you have your babies all you'll do is watch TV I anyway. know I was going to say so you you're know. going to I hope Sisley's ready for the entirety of Howard's Way well you don't want to watch something too stimulating so they're
2: like pace that there's something on. soothing pleasant. it's going to go it gallops along who knows what if the
1: twins are called Howard and <gasps> Way? Leo and Lynn. No, one of them's b they're both boys, aren't they? Okay so far. Okay, I'll come up with some names for you, don't worry, it'll be fine. (laughs) Tom and Ken. Tom and Ken Now if you could call a baby Ken, I think I'd give you a prize. Oh good no, we won't be doing that. But (laughs) Kenneth Kenneth. Okay. So anyway, now this podcast has a long and proud history nine episodes of the guests well. I ask my guests if they wouldn't mind writing and singing their own words to the theme tune as a way of playing us out. Are you, Frogstone, prepared to do this? I am. Though I did oh. it, you know, just sort of a stream of consciousness inspired by the
2: episode okay. straight away. Mm. But trying to get the scansion right. And I did know you said, oh, just one
1: verse. But I've kind of done it all. <gasps> if you've enjoyed the podcast, I really hope you have, then come and find us on Twitter at Always There Pod. It only remains for me to say, Frogstone, thank you for being always there. My pleasure.
2: Oh, it's way, he always gets his way. No way he ever could work another way. Jan, his wife, chooses Is a Thatcherite too? It's the '80s and the secrets beyond the boatyard. And in the end, you will see why they all love the sea. Ken Masters, I told you it was wrong. Please, never wish you know Snow Charles Frere. He has less hair and illegitimate
1: kids. Fade <laughs> out. <there>. <laughs> Greatbigowl.com.
0: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen